Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live, and today we welcome Graham McTavish, who plays Sir Harold Westerling in HBO's House of the Dragon, which just concluded its first season this past Sunday. Graham, thank you so much for being our guest here today. Congratulations on the huge success of the first season of House of the Dragon. Now that season one is complete, what are your feelings on the success of this first season? Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a strange thing whenever you're involved in something that is you know really uh, popular or successful with the audience. Um, you you don't really imagine it at the time when you're making it. You sort of live in a strange bubble, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you you almost daren't. Uh, hope that it's going to be uh, as successful as this has been. It was the same with Outlander. Um, when you're making these sort of things, you're just surrounded by people who are in the same bubble as you. You know, mm-hmm. you, that we're we're working on, we're working hard. We're trying not to let the source material or the fact that there was a very, very, very successful previous um, series called Game of Thrones mm-hmm. uh, that came before us. And we tried not to let that interfere too much with what we were doing. But once uh, once it came out, it's a, it, you know you you have no control over it after, no. and um, you just hope for the best. And it seems to have have worked out. It uh, seems, so, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, yeah. Gauging on everybody's reaction, I think it could it even exceeded HBO's expectation. Now, when you booked the role of Harold Westerling. Were you a fan and familiar with the previous show you mentioned, Game of Thrones? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I'd seen all of uh, Game of Thrones. In fact, yeah, I was a huge fan right from the very first season. Um, And, you know, it was something that I'd wanted to be a part of while they were making it. It was just that uh, because I was doing The Hobbit and then I immediately went on and did Outlander and then I was doing um, Preacher, uh, it meant that it was just impossible. So uh, this was something that I'd spoken to the showrunner, Ryan Condal, about years previously, actually. Ryan and I had worked together. Uh, We did a pilot for NBC uh, called The Sixth Gun, Mm -hmm. which never went to series, sadly. But Ryan and I formed a friendship after that. And he got me in Colony, which was another show that he he wrote and um, was the showrunner on. Uh, And he spoke to me about this project. Oh, we had lunch in LA. I mean, well, it's got to be at least five years ago. Wow! And said that that um, that he was really hopeful because at that time there were three shows that were in the running to be made as prequels okay. to Game of Thrones, and uh, he felt confident about it. But he said, "When when we do it, I really want you to be involved." Um, and you know, it's like one of those conversations that you have, and you think, "Oh, well, that would be nice," and then, boom you're in it and i remember standing on the in the throne room set with ryan looking at these giant statues and looking at the iron throne at the end and and saying this is amazing it's like surreal surreal totally surreal and i still talk to him about it um that it's a wonderful wonderful example of somebody who had an idea followed it through worked incredibly hard and was rewarded by it being actually made um, by by HBO. Absolutely. So let's break down your character, okay? Hmm. I see your character as one of 
very few, if not the only, honorable men on this show. How did you see your character when you first read him, when he was explained to you? And how did that influence on how you were going to portray him? Yeah, you're absolutely right. He is pretty much the only... A decent human being mm-hmm. in the entire <laughs> in the entire show. I mean, he is surrounded by a sort of nest of vipers, really, mm-hmm. um, uh, who have. I mean, the thing about Harold is that he he is the sort of representative of a, of a sort of w- almost warrior monk order, mm-hmm. um, the King's Guard. Yeah. I mean, when you get chosen to be a member of the King's Guard, uh, you forsake um, money, title relationships, marriage, any of those things, and and devote your life to the service of the king. Mm -hmm. Um, And in doing that, that is his singular purpose, is to protect the royal family. Everything, he has no other agenda. He is not, he's not secretly plotting like everybody else is to further his own, his own interests. Um, He wants to do what is best for Viserys and Rhaenyra. Yeah. Uh, Not so much Daemon. He's not so keen on Damon. Yeah. Damon doesn't but, have a lot of friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's not the kind of guy that has a lot of friends at his birthday party unless he's paying them to be exactly. there. Exactly. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Harold, and when I read read it, I mean, the interesting thing about the character from my point of view is I don't get to play that many people who are very morally decent. Um, they, they tend to be a little more complicated in, mm-hmm. their, in their morality. Um, but in this case, he was able to be um, present in everything. He heard and saw everything that went on. Exactly. And, um, and it's only really towards the end of the season that he reveals his, um, well, pretty much contempt for a lot of the people involved. And we're going to um, get to that in a little yeah. bit. Now, this first season is really sort of broken up into two different halves. The first mm. five episodes, we see the younger versions of some of the characters, and then the second half, we get to see them as adults. Uh, In the first five episodes, we see you sort of taking on a fatherly role with Princess Rhaenyra. Uh, Mm. How would you describe Westerling's relationship, and um, does he view Rhaenyra as sort of somebody he needs to protect? Yeah, no, definitely he does. He definitely does. He has a great affection for her, and I think it's it's partly born of duty, his his sense of duty, but also because he as a man has been denied the kind of relationship that many men have, which is to have children, to be married, to have, you know, that kind of love in their life. Uh, I chose certainly in my interpretation to be somebody who um, really looked upon her, maybe not as a, a his own child, but certainly somebody that he had that kind of uh, feeling towards, a very sort of avuncular feeling. Um, He wanted to um, always, always protect her, and that's why he's put into such a very, very difficult situation later on. And that brings us to the next question. Episode 9, your character Mm. is brought to a crossroads, okay? You're sitting in, the king, King Viserys is dead, they're having a meeting in the middle of the night everything is being kept secret the king's death is being kept a secret you're basically asked about your allegiance okay Mm -hmm. and that's when you make a stand and you say that i answer to the king and until one is placed on the throne 
I don't answer anybody. And then you turn in your white cloak. Um, In that moment, you know, what is going through your character's mind as you surrender your white cloak? Mm. And will he uphold his oath to whoever is placed on the Iron Throne? Or Mm. does his allegiance lie more towards Rhaenyra? Interesting question. Um, I mean, in terms of the cloak, I mean, the cloak really symbolizes uh, Harold Westerling's entire life, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's to receive the white cloak, as as we show with uh, Kristen Cole earlier in the show. When you get that, that is that is bestowing upon you something that is bigger than you, yeah. really, uh, that you are part of something. I mean, it is, you know, it's similar to regular military service, I suppose. But the the um, the difference with the King's Guard is really it's for life. Yes. You know, um, you do that for life. You don't you don't come to a point where, hey, you know, now I'd like to start a family. So I think it's about time I hung up the cloak. Uh, no, there's there's no reason that you would ever do that. So for him to actually follow that through is hugely significant, and it would have been. Uh, an awful moment for him. And I tried to play that. I mean, he's he's wrestling with so many conflicting feelings at that moment. Um, he's being given orders. He's used to following them. Um, he's surrounded by people that he has, you know, devoted his life to. And suddenly he's being placed in a, in a position where um, he has to honestly ask himself yeah. what the right thing to do is. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think what, what's great about his character is that he, he doesn't really hesitate, actually. No. There's no, there's no conflict in the end. It's clear what is the right thing to do, and that's what he does. As for the future, well, who knows? I mean, that's in the hands of the writers, really. And um, I don't think even Westerling knows what's going to no, come. No, no, no. I mean, absolutely. He walks out of that door... And all he's thinking of doing is getting all, as far away from these people as possible. Um, and then he'll have some time to reflect upon what he's done and what the future holds for him. If you but, were to guess right now, do you yeah. do you feel that he still holds an obligate feels an obligation towards uh, Queen Princess Rhaenyra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it would be possible for him to um, forget that. Or, or move on from that. Um, it's been, you know, he has quite literally been a part of her life since she was born. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, you can't just switch that off. And and I don't think uh, when he's walking away that he's walking away from her, um, he's walking away from um, a situation that he was asked to be put in that he, he just couldn't follow through on. Absolutely. And that really, and this is a big credit to your acting, that really came through in your nonverbal expressions in that room in the middle of the night, just a look of disdain that you had of what was going on in secrecy, Mm -hmm. them trying to place Aegon on the throne, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, locking people in their rooms. It was no dialogue in that point that came through your mouth, but just a look of disdain, how you just did not approve of how this was being done in secrecy. I mean, excellent job. I I mean, yeah. What kind of mindset did you go into to just bring that nonverbal acting to life? 
Well, I think, I mean, really, uh, thanks for saying that, but it, it's really about uh, really listening to what the other actors are saying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that does your job for you. If you actually pay attention to what is happening and you're paying attention to it um, as the character, then there can only be really one reaction. And um, with Westerling, you know, up to that point, there were plenty of moments where he felt disdain yeah. and felt disappointment and maybe even anger. Uh, I mean, one of the earlier ones was when he saw Damon sitting on the Iron Throne. Mm. Uh, so he's not, you know, he sometimes he lets those things through, but he really does uh, cultivate a mask, really, most of the time of of indifference. And that's partly what is, I guess, so shocking not just in terms of the story, but to to the other characters, because they're used to Westerling simply being essentially a function mm -hmm. in the room. He's just like like a dog, you know, do that, do this, come here, you know, fetch, sit. Not a know, threat, it, not a threat. Yeah, it, not a threat at all. Mm -hmm. And for him to do that uh, will definitely um, leave a mark mm -hmm. on, on him. And also, you know, he's a... He's a very, very skilled warrior. Yes. And somebody who commands respect among many people. So they'll be a little bit concerned, I think, mm -hmm. with his departure. Now, one of the most compelling things about this franchise is going even back to Game of Thrones and into House of the Dragon is that no character is safe. You, yeah, I mean, that's very true. Your character can be out just like that. When you booked the role, did you know you were going to make it through the first season alive? I did, yes. Okay. I did. Okay. Yeah, Ryan made that very clear, yeah. And um, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, you're right. You, people people are getting killed off all the time. Um, I know, I think I can't remember who, there was a couple of people who got the chop. That weren't expecting it i think but then you know and listen i mean it, ryan could easily say that to me oh yeah yeah harold survives till the end of the first season but um equally halfway through the season he could go you know what graham we've decided that mm -hmm. uh that, that harold um is, is gonna die in yeah. episode six so you know you're never you're never sure and that's one of the great things from a viewing point of view uh i mean right from when i first saw the first season of game of thrones when Sean Bean mm -hmm. gets beheaded, yeah, uh, it was just so shocking. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, nobody saw that coming. And no, going no. back to that again, that episode, that pivotal episode for your character in that room in episode nine, mm. I think mm. it really sets up your character for a lot of growth moving on into the second season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm very yeah. fascinated to see where they take Westerling moving mm. forward uh, they can mm. go in so many different directions but i know now yeah. let's remove you as being a part of the show and let's just talk as fans for this next question let's talk about queen allison uh yeah. older allison is played by olivia cook brilliant actress now allison seems like somebody who's just always trying to find her voice she can't get out from under her father's uh thumb mm. When, mm -hmm. As a fan of the show, when you're viewing her character, what are your interpretations of Queen, of Queen Allison, and how do you see her? Yes, it's very difficult. It's a inter very interesting character, because in some ways, 
in some ways she is being set up to be the antagonist to Rhaenyra. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, she she finds herself in an almost impossible position. You know, she is always, I think, motivated by wanting to do the right thing. Exactly. Um, and uh, people and events conspire to often undermine that. Um, but that makes for a fascinating, fascinating character. It would be very interesting to see how that progresses as well, because two people who were childhood friends who are now placed on opposite sides. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this kind of thing runs through so many stories and so so much real history. Yeah. You know, the, you know what happened in you know the American Civil War, for mm -hmm. instance, when families were divided, people who'd grown up together suddenly facing each other on opposite sides of the battlefield. Um, it's a similar kind of uh, conflict for her Absolutely. to try and reconcile. So I think, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where, where that leads. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say that one of the biggest differences so far from Game of Thrones to House of the Dragon is there is much deeper character development in House of the Dragon. And I absolutely agree with that. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on the writing of the characters, your character and how you know, each one was developed. They took mm. their time. They didn't rush it through. No, no, absolutely right. I, I mean, I've, I've compared it before really to the sort of, um, it's, it's a family drama, mm -hmm. really. And if you remove the swords and the dragons and all the rest of it, it's, it's a story that is relatable to any family, you know, yeah. that there are disputes, there are fallings out, there are, there are um, there's rivalries, all of those sort of things that go on, and and it's you know in the same way that um, you found with uh, the Godfather, for yeah. instance, um, the Sopranos. You know, a lot of these kind of succession um, that they, they are all they all revolve around the family and the characters within that family, and House of the Dragon is is part of that as well, I think, and that's mm. and that's what makes it very very appealing, I think, to people. Me too. I totally agree. Now you get to work with an amazing cast crew. What kind of, a, of an effect does that have on you as an actor coming to work every day and working with such professionals who are so good at what they do? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I've been very lucky that way with projects that I've worked on. Um, uh, House of the Dragon, uh, it was, it was hugely um, beneficial that, Ryan, in particular, um, was a massive fan of mm -hmm. So he was writing it from a fan's perspective in, in, in many ways, uh, in the same way that actually, you know, when, when uh, Peter Jackson, for instance, came to do Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he was a fan of those stories. Absolutely, and yeah. He ate those stories uh, pretty much all his life. Um, and it's the same with Ryan. Um, you know, he he went and uh, sought out George R. R. Martin when we were shooting in New Mexico mm -hmm. uh, on the pilot that I mentioned, and in order to set this whole thing in motion. But everybody else on that set, yeah, they were great. Um, you know, the cast, the crew, sometimes working under very very difficult uh, circumstances. I mean, not just circumstances related to COVID, but just the physical circumstances oh, yeah. of making a show like that. Uh, it was not always comfortable um, yeah. 
to to work in but everybody really brought their their a game to it and um and i think it shows yeah absolutely definitely shows now i can't let you go without asking you at least one outlander question i'm a huge <laughs> huge outlander fan you play dougal right. mckenzie now yeah. dougal mckenzie emotional uh hot-headed stubborn yep. I yep. think he's a complete opposite of Westerling. Yes, uh, he is. How, I mean, tell us about your time on Outlander. How much fun did you have playing Dougal McKenzie? Oh, yeah. I mean, Dougal's a, Dougal's a great character because he is. He's very complex. Um, you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, he was a villain. And, and I'm like, no, no, no. no he wasn't. Not a villain. He was much more interesting than that. He was no. much more complicated. Um and he's all of those things that you described, uh, but he's also, you know, loving, loyal. Loyal. Um, he's uh, he's supportive, uh, but he has all sorts of, you know, inner conflicts. But for me, yeah, the the experience was fantastic. Um, and talking about, you know, people that you're working with, I had such a great time working with that group. Mm -hmm. um, we all started that job together, um, and uh, we were like a little a uh, little family by the time we actually started filming because we had a little kind of boot camp period where Sam, myself, Duncan Lacroix, Grant, and uh, Stephen and Katrina, we all, and Gary Lewis, we all got together and, and really bonded. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the working environment was uh, was was wonderful. And we had a lot of laughs. <laughs> I can imagine. Do you enjoy doing uh, period pieces like Outlander? And even though <laughs> House of the Dragon is a fictional time period, it's still like a medieval yeah. time. Yeah. Do you yeah, enjoy those? No, I mean, sure. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, The Hobbit, you know, I'm, I, I, I do The Witcher, um, the, the um, Outlander. Yeah, it, it, I seem to have, um, it's like I now don't go to bed without a sword being by my side. <laughs> It's kind of weird. It's a, I didn't. It's not planned, but I suppose it's a little bit like those that law of attraction, really. That I do love those kind of shows myself. Mm -hmm. Those and and straight out science fiction are my kind of favorite genres. I would I would say. Yeah. Uh, and it just so happens that I kind of ended up being a part of them, and uh, it's. It's a it's wonderful. Must be a, it. it must be a dream come true. Graham, I want to thank you so much. This twenty two it's been twenty two minutes. It's flew by. I've had an amazing experience talking to you. I want to thank you so much. Well, definitely, we're all looking forward to seeing what happens with your character moving into season two, because, yeah. like you said, of the complexity, the intensity of filming, we're not going to see it till twenty twenty four. But we can't wait to see where the story goes, where Westerling goes. A uh, lot of possibilities. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share before we go? Well, no. I mean, only that uh, I I look forward to that just as much as you do, and um, I look forward to talking about that again in the future. Absolutely, we look to having you back and talking about it. I want to thank our audience, those of you who are tuning in live, and those of you who'll be watching this. Later on, on behalf of Graham McTavish and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.